Sharon from the Ravenettes. You're listening to KUCI on 88.9 FM. In Irvine. The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. The Heather McCoy Show. And welcome to The Heather McCoy Show. In my middle segment today, I'll be talking with freelance journalist Alex Henderson about his story on sexandpolitics.com. Uh, quote, San Francisco dominatrix, first model, January Seraph, and an Obamacare success story. Then rounding out the hour, we'll have Robert Larson, and he'll join us from the other side of Cleveland National Forest. But first, we'll start off with our regular contributor, the blogger behind fieldtheschemes.com, Neil DeMoss. Welcome to the show, Neil. Hello. It's Hello. good to be back. It's good to be back. And uh, just like in the film Jaws, just when you feel like it's safe to enter the water again, it's back. The fun never stops. The Arizona Coyotes is in our stadium stack this week. Glendale Mayor, I'm guessing Jerry Weirs is how he says his last name, wants the 15-year lease, which pays the team $15 million a year. Uh, voided because the city council members violated open meetings laws. Uh, this is a lease and not an agreement to buy the stadium from a team like in Columbus where you can't really skip out on making bond payments that you agreed to pay for. What are the odds that the 15-year release does get rescinded? Um, probably not that great. Um, Wires, I think it's Mayor Wires, um, is, uh, was, uh, is just asking Attorney General to look into whether the uh, the city council violated open meetings laws. Um, it's you know another one of these cases of um, you know like we saw with Cobb County with people meeting in hallways where they were like saying oh no yeah we didn't really have a meeting we just were in a car together and we happened to get this other guy on the <laughs> phone and you know um, and it's probably a long shot that the lease vote gets overturned by that and even if it does get overturned by that there's nothing stopping the city council from just going back and having a new vote you know with all the uh the i's dotted and the t's crossed um and uh, and you know and just reestablish it reaffirming the uh the new lease um so i think it's probably a long shot to uh to uh you know that this that this makes the whole thing fall apart but it's still pretty hilarious um you know that the they manage you know to go through all of this um to get a lease deal done and apparently they needed to do it by having like secret meetings because <laughs> They couldn't, couldn't conspire <laughs> to do it in public. Yeah, but you say that they just want to do it again with all their I's, dots, and T, you know, uh, T's crossed. But, like, I thought that's what the lease was originally. It was, like, a solidly written lease. It was just they went behind people's backs. What would make it, why would they have to do it again? I mean. No, no, I'm sorry. I meant, I meant uh, in terms, uh, not I's, dot in terms of the, the way the lease was written, but in terms of, you know, actually uh, adhering to the rules about, having debate in public oh okay um, but uh you know i mean there's there's nothing stopping them from from having debate in public and then and then uh and then going and voting the same way again um but you never know i mean you know the, the any time that a wrench gets thrown into something there's always a possibility that the debate will go differently I mean, that's why you have public debate right yeah <laughs> because these things are not supposed to be um decided beforehand um, and maybe if everything gets opened up again, then people start debating it, and then the guy who, uh, you know, the council member who switched his vote the last second last time starts having uh, second thoughts if, if people are publicly criticizing him, you know, at actual open meetings. 
<laughs> you never know. Um, I, again, I'm not putting any money on it, but um, it's just fascinating to, like you said, to say that to, to see that um, it looks like the Glendale Coyotes situation will always be with us. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love the city council member's email exchange to a colleague that included the phrase, quote, please delete this email after you read it. <laughs> yeah, and then the defense was, well, you know, he's really sensitive about not having his own email account and using his uh, his uh, work account for uh, for private email. So we just were really concerned for him for that. Um, yeah. Well, it's like they didn't pay attention to that one Texas Longhorn story where they were caught courting that coach from Alabama, uh, Saban, when they had Mac Brown, and that was kind of embarrassing for the university because they're public records. You can put a request in for them. So it's just kind of strange that they would do that. Yeah, you know, public officials seem to forget, you know. I mean, it's not just public officials, right? I mean, there are people who post things on Twitter and seem to get upset when they realize that people can read things on Twitter. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think it's it's almost a a function of our current society. Is it between the people who are um, too old to really know how to use technology and the people who are too young to realize that there's a difference between your, you know, things you say in public and things you say in private? Um, <laughs> there's an awful lot of this going on right now. Um, I was just wondering, with the mayor of Broward County admitting on Twitter, speaking of things that are public and private, um, yeah. that, that she is currently doing a um, cost-benefit analysis of letting the Florida Panthers move away rather than handing them $80 million in just pure subsidies. Has the Florida Panthers entered a lame duck situation with their community with 14 years ago on their lease as well? Um, you know, it, it's... Can you declare lame duck that early? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I I don't know if you know. Again, we're we're a long way from that. I don't know if if uh, this report is really going to um, take a hard look at whether the Panthers are worth it, um, or whether it's just going to be you know sort of a uh, uh, a fig leaf for the mayor to be able to say, oh well, you know, we looked at it and they're they're totally going to be worth it, so we should give them money. Um, and you know, there's 14 years to go on the lease, so I mean. The, the Panthers owners are clearly taking the long view of, uh, um, you know, we want to start uh, start fighting for, for lease concessions now. If they don't get it this year, they can get it next year. They can get it the year after. Um, but I, I mean, it sort of brings up the bigger picture when you're talking about the Panthers, when you're talking about the Coyotes, of what do you do with some of these teams, um, particularly in the NHL, that seem like they're just not – you know they're not disasters, but they're not succeeding in the way that uh, that the rest of the league is. Um, and you know there's lots of talk about oh you know should we move them to a to a, a place like Seattle? Should we move them to you know to other markets? Um, and I don't know what the answer is to that. You know I don't know if a team would be better off necessarily in Seattle than in Arizona or Florida. Um, it's you know this is going back to the whole you know is the NHL Sunbelt strategy working or not? Um, and I think the preponderance of evidence is not so well, but, um, you know, does that necessarily mean that the NHL has to, you know, declare defeat and back away from it, or can they just say, okay, fine, you know, we stuck teams in these places that don't really have a strong, that strong support for hockey, we'll just lump it. Well, the reason why I asked that question was because just the way the tone of that particular piece in your uh, blog was phrased, it just reminded me of that NH the former NHL uh, commissioner and his essay about why the Phoenix Coyotes at the time just should just leave because it's already over. 
I don't know if you remember um, that or not. You know, it's it's all going to be – look, it, the Coyotes didn't leave, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. <laughs> Teams almost never leave. Um, and, you know, right when people start saying, like, oh, my goodness, this is, you know, the, the end of the road, there's no possible coming back from this, that's just the beginning of the negotiation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, if we get to the point where – you know, the mayor of Broward County is saying, oh, this is, you know, the, the Panthers are totally not worth it. We're not going to give them another dime. And the owners of the Panthers are saying, that's it. You know, they don't want us here. We're leaving. Then I will know that it's time that they're going to sit down and start having serious negotiations. <laughs> you know, that does not mean that the team is up and leaving. Because, I mean, look, you know, just right near there with the Florida Marlins, right? Yeah. Um, when they were still the Florida Marlins and not Miami. Um, that happened every year. Right? <laughs> every year, the, the local government would say, we're not going to give you any money, and the Marlins owners would say, okay, fine, that's it, you know, we're done here, we're leaving, we're out of here. And then the next year, they would come back and renegotiate all over again. So I, I think it's always important not to panic in these situations, because, um, you know, there's a lot of brinksmanship going on. And realistically, most team owners would rather keep their team in their local market, even if it's not the best local market, even if it's not the best lease, even if it's not, you know, an ideal situation, um, just because it's always a risk to start up from scratch with a new fan base. And, you know, unless you're moving to, you know, a giant city, um, you know, you never know what you're going to get. And there aren't any giant cities available to move to unless it's the NFL in L.A. Yeah. What do you, how do you think the Oakland Raiders versus the Oakland A battle over the land where the Coliseum now sits will play out over the next couple of years? It's kind of an odd tap dance because both projects will demand a certain level of subsidies, so they can't do battle against each other in the realm of, I'll take less subsidy than the other guy. So how do you think this plays out? Right, they don't really want to have a bidding war, right? No. Because that would be bad. <laughs> and, they know, and they both know that. Um, and at the same time, so at the same time, Oakland doesn't really want a bidding war because they want to keep both teams. So they're trying to figure out, okay, is there some way that we can that we can, you know, either keep both teams happy or just avoid making a decision so that we. I mean, I, I, I think it's almost less that the the current Oakland officials want a long term strategy for keeping both teams as they don't want to be the guys who kicked one or the, or the other team out. So. If they can kick the can down the road a few years, that's just great for them because <laughs> it'll be somebody else's problem. So, um, yeah, I don't know exactly what's going on. It seems like there's this weird jockeying going on where the A's and Raiders owners are both sort of saying, well, we want to be the lead developer. No, we want to be the lead developer um, without ever actually saying why they should be or what they're offering in exchange. Um, you know, clearly the Raiders have you know, sort of latched onto this Coliseum City developer and, you know, have a, you know, more, their development plan is a little further along, although further along also means that we actually know the financing plan, which means we know that it's like half a billion dollars short. Um, whereas Lou Wolf, the owner of the A's, is just like, well, I'm a developer, I could do this. Um, and, you know, the A's would have marginally uh, uh, more value to a development project in that, you know, they have 81 home games a year versus eight. So, uh, you know, it's only 270 days a year that the place is going to be dark. So maybe that's a little bit more of a, you know, catalyst for. I mean, the, the thing that really I feel like Oakland should be doing is 
doing what Broward County is doing, right? You go out there and you do an actual um, cost-benefit analysis of, you know, what would be the best use of this land, and, you know, what can we get the most money for? Um, and it could be a football stadium with development around it. It could be a baseball stadium with development around it. It could be both stadiums with development around it. It could be no stadiums with development around it. Um, and I don't think anybody really knows um, or has tried to project that. It's all just about, like, well, the A's want this and the Raiders want that. Who are we going to make happy? Which is a really dumb way of doing urban policy. Oh, definitely. If the option is the last one with no stadium and development, um, how do you kick both teams out? Um, well, you don't have to kick both teams out. It, it, you know, you don't have to. Even if the best bang for your buck is, um, you know, development with no stadiums, that doesn't mean you necessarily have to, you know, require no stadiums. Um, but it means that you go into the negotiations with it from a different point of view. It's not well. The A's and Raiders are, you know, looking to do these projects based around stadiums. Um, and, uh, you know, that's going to be, you know, we, we need them because we need that, that you know, the, the, the sports facilities to be sort of the anchor for this. Instead, you're looking at it as, oh, okay, you guys want to develop all this property that is very developable, if it is, um, and you want to put stadiums in there, okay, that's fine, but, you know, do it on your own dime. And what are you going to offer in exchange for taking a whole bunch of this land out of the project and devoting it to sports? Um, which is, again, a different way of approaching it. Um, you know, or you could kick one team or the other out. You know, you could say, hey, go, you know, build somewhere else. You could say, go uh, go build out in Costa Costa County, which is where everybody else is moving to. <laughs> Nobody else can afford to be in the, in the Bay Area. Um, so I don't know. You know, I mean, it, it just, it, it, again, it doesn't dictate what you have to do, but it shows you what your options are, and I think, you know, that would be a very valuable piece of information to have. Oh, definitely. I was just wondering, you were on vacation last week. Did you make it out to an A's game this year? Or? I did go to an A's game. It was a very exciting one. Um, I got to see them boo uh, Manny Machado, the guy who threw his bat at Josh Donaldson, uh, <laughs> and then I got to see Josh Donaldson win the game in the ninth inning with a three-run walk-off homer. So, uh, um, it was it was a good game. Um, you know, the Oakland Coliseum continues to be a... Nothing special, but perfectly accessible place to watch a baseball game. Um, and uh, I would happily go to another game there, you know, if it's still there another next time I'm visiting. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think that the UNLV and the on, on-named MLS expansion team in Las Vegas will ever combine efforts to get their stadium built? Because that seems like that would be a lot easier. Yeah, you know, I feel like this is Las Vegas all the time, right? I mean, Las Vegas has, I can't even count how many stadium and arena plans. And every time it's like, man, you know, these guys just get together. Um, but, you know, it's another one of these situations where everybody wants their own particular thing and, the, and they want to be the ones to control it. Um, I think the answer is no, um, in part because, who, the, you know, not just it's different developers wanting to build the UNFL, UNLV Stadium and the uh, and the the soccer stadium, but also people get really into well. We want to make sure that we have something that's just the right size for for what we want. Um, You know, UNLV for whatever reason thinks it needs a forty five thousand seat at least football stadium, and uh, MLS really doesn't want buildings that big. I guess you could try and do something with like fancy moving uh, bleachers that you know hide themselves behind tarps um, when it's time for a soccer match. Um, but uh, uh, it's it's not 
you know, it's not an easy solution. Um, I mean, in a different world, sure. In a different world where, um, you know, money was completely not available to subsidize these things, you might see, you know, teams, you know, banding together uh, to say, okay, fine, you know, how can we figure out some, some way of sharing one building, like used to happen in the old days. Um, but I, I don't see it. I don't see it kind of happening anytime soon, let's put it that way. I think it's far more likely that, uh, you know, one project goes ahead and the other one sort of gets put on the back burner, or that both projects end up on the back burner for a while, because, everybody, again, everybody really wants their own building. Yeah. Um, Neil DeMoss, he runs fieldtheschemes.com, and he also wrote a book by the same name. Thanks for being on the show this week, and we'll talk to you next week. Sure thing. Talk okay. next week. Okay, this is the Heather McCoy Show.